This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. If you have your Bibles already, I'd like for you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. This morning in today's message, I'm going to not only be preaching, but I'm going to be teaching. And I want to teach you something that I am convinced you are not well rehearsed in. And so I hope that this will definitely be productive uh, in your heart. You will learn something today, some truths about the Word and about this prophecy series that you are not well scholared in. That's my goal for the message today. And so we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 20 through the entire message I'm speaking today on this subject, when God binds the devil for 1,000 years. Now, it's imperative that you pay close attention because, again, I'm not just preaching the message. I want to teach it as well. I really want you to grasp the truths in the Word today. I'm going to read for you now several passages of Scripture in Revelation chapter 20. Begin reading with me in verse number one. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Now verse 7, we'll read through verse 10. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. I'm going to explain all of that to you in just a moment. I realize the message today, I'm going to be teaching you some things about the scriptures, about Bible prophecy and Bible doctrine that you are not well familiar with. I realize that. And so if you become a sincere student of the Word today, you will be blessed when you leave. Again, the message this morning is entitled, When God Binds the Devil for 1,000 Years. In the second and third chapter of the book of Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit of God unveiling the letters of the seven churches that are in Asia Minor. 
These two chapters are representative of the age of grace that you and I are living in right now. And that's important to know that we are living today in the age of grace. And so if you are wondering where in Revelation, what part of the book of Revelation are you and I living in right now? I have already mentioned this at least on two other occasions and two of the other sermons. But if you were not here and you do not remember, according to the Word of God right now, you and I are living in chapter 2, between chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. In chapter 4, we have the big picture of the rapture of the church. Also in chapter 4 and chapter 5, we have the heavenly scene that is before the very throne of God. From Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 19, we have what is known as the tribulation period on the earth. And the tribulation will last for seven years. The tribulation is designed for God to bring judgment on the nation of Israel and pour out a time of sorrow and suffering on the earth. At the end of the seven years, God brings a conclusion to the tribulation and the Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth where he will rule and reign from the throne of David. That is known as the revelation of Jesus Christ. When the revelation takes place, the Lord Jesus Christ, he will destroy the Antichrist at the battle of Armageddon and this will initiate the millennium. Now, if you can understand what I've just said, going back to the trumpet as it sounds, let me give you a panoramic view that will catch us all up to date. I have said many times thus far in this series <clears throat> that the next prophetic thing that will take place on God's calendar is the rapture. I will tell you that we are so advanced in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ that I would not encourage anybody to keep looking for signs. You just listen for the shout. That's how close we are. The thing that will initiate that, according to the Word of God, is that the trump of God will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. We will meet the Lord in the air. That begins the judgment seat of Christ for you and I as a believer, and it begins the seven years of tribulation for those that did not receive Christ on the earth. Three and a half years after the judgment seat is over, then we enter into what is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. When we enter into that second three and a half years, the marriage supper of the Lamb, the earth is also making a transition from the tribulation to the great tribulation. At the end of the marriage supper of the Lamb, at the end of the great tribulation, then the Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. This is called the revelation. First, we meet him in the air in the rapture. He calls us to him. In the revelation, we come back with him. The Bible says in that day, Zechariah chapter 14 and verse number 4, in that day his feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives. The mountain will cleave in two. We are riding white stallions with the Lord Jesus. He leads us down the eastern slopes 
of the Mount of Olives and with his spoken word, he defeats the Antichrist in what is known as the great battle of Armageddon. After the battle of Armageddon is finished, the Lord Jesus leads us now across the Kidron Valley. He goes through the Eastern Gate and he majestically takes his place upon the throne of David where that will initiate the 1,000 years. That begins the millennial reign of Christ. Now, listen very carefully. This morning, I want to teach you some important Bible doctrine as well as discussing Bible prophecy. There are several denominations, and you need to know this, that have false interpretations about the whole concept of the millennium. So please listen carefully. I'm going to briefly touch on that and show you where we, as born-again believers, especially as members of Buford Road Baptist Church, where we line up with this doctrine. In Revelation chapter 20, the term a thousand years is used in verses 2 through 7 six times. You can go and reread that when you get home. One of the false interpretations of the millennium is taken from an amillennial perspective. The amillennialists, they believe that there will not be a millennium at all. They do not believe that there will be a literal rule and reign of Christ for 1,000 years. They believe that when the Bible speaks of that, it is only symbolic. Then there are those who believe in what is called a post-millennium reign of Christ. Post means after. The post-millennialist people believe that the world is simply going to get better and better on its own until mankind can originate and usher in a peaceful world himself. And then they believe after 1,000 years of the human efforts that brought about peace, after that 1,000 years has expired, then the Lord Jesus Christ will return. Then there is a third perspective on the millennium, and that is the pre-millennial belief. All of you know that the word pre means before, and so... The premillennial doctrine teaches us that instead of the world getting better and better, it's only going to get worse and worse. Now, this doctrine, the premillennial doctrine, teaches that the only possible way to bring a conclusion to all of the catastrophic problems that are on the earth is for the personal return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me assure you that it is the third position. It is the premillennial return of the Lord, listen carefully, that this church adheres to. That is the doctrine of this church. That's what we believe. And we do not believe in all millennialism. We do not believe in postmillennialism. We believe in premillennialism. So let me again uh, mention the doctrinal position that we adhere to. We as Buford Road Baptist Church, and I would rather say as born-again believers, we are pre-tribulationalist. Listen carefully, which means that we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will return for the church before the seven years began. We do not believe that the Lord Jesus is going to let a believer go through the seven years of tribulation. We also believe as premillennialists 
We believe that the Lord Jesus is going to return in the revelation to defeat the Antichrist at the end of the tribulation. And when the tribulation is over with, Jesus will in fact rule and reign from the throne of David for 1,000 years. Now, here is the main part of the message today. When the 1,000 years begins, and praise God, listen now, when the 1,000 years begins, Satan is going to be removed from the earth. And according to the word of God, he is not only going to be removed, but the Bible says he is going to be bound and chained and placed into a, a pit. And I want you to listen to this in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 1 through 3. We've read it, but let's reread it. Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. So you have to understand, when the millennium takes place, Jesus now has gone through the eastern gate. We have followed him up the slopes of Mount Moriah. He takes his rightful place on the throne of David. At that point, he binds Satan with a chain. And he throws him into a bottomless pit. God himself is going to remove and bind the devil for a thousand years. Now, here's the thing about the position that some of the people that I just mentioned in their belief about the millennium, about the prophetic time period in which we're living in right now. Some of those people believe that we are indeed living in the millennium now. But listen very carefully. If we were living in the millennium right now, then Satan would have to already been removed and he would have to be already bound. But I will tell you that anyone with a fraction of a brainwave can tell that the devil is very free at work today in the times that we live. I'm telling you that everywhere we turn, we can see depravity fueled by its master. But there is going to come an abrupt interruption. There is going to come an abrupt intervention. And in the revelation, thank God, the devil is going to be bound and chained for 1,000 years. And when that day comes, when the devil is bound, when he is chained, when he is placed into the bottomless pit, the only thing that the devil will be able to do at that point is to think. Now you think about that. That's all he, can you imagine a day where there is a powerless devil? Can you imagine a day when the engine of sin will be completely shut down? Can you imagine the day when the architect of evil will be chained and confined to a bottomless pit? where he will not be able to scheme anymore. He will not be able to manipulate anymore. He will not be able to oppress. He will not be able to possess. All he can do is think. He won't be able to do anything else. 
And if all he can do is think, then think with me what he will be thinking about. Put your thoughts with me now. Think about what he's going to be thinking about for 1,000 years. Maybe he will think about his fall from heaven. Maybe he will remember the day he said, I will exalt my throne above your throne, God. I will be like the Most High. Maybe he'll spend a portion of the thousand years thinking about his fall from heaven. Maybe perhaps he will be thinking about how he deceived Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Maybe he will think about all of the sorrow that he inflicted upon the human race since the fall of man in Eden. But here's what I believe to be for sure. I'm sure he will be thinking about what he's going to be doing when he gets out of the pit. And please understand, friend, that the only way that there can be a millennium and peace on the earth is for the devil to be completely removed. There cannot be peace on the earth with a roaring lion upon it. The devil has to be removed. Now, in verse 3, the Bible tells us why he's going to be removed and bound. Look at it very carefully. Verse 3, And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that... Here's the reason why he's going to be bound and chained and put in a bottomless pit, that he should deceive the nations no more. That's the reason that he should not deceive the nations no more. Till the thousand years should be filled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. Now, listen, that brings us to a very complicated and a very perplexed question. And this is where the teaching of the message comes into play. How, pastor, why? Would God have Satan bound, chained in a bottomless pit and let him out? Someone might say, Pastor, I, I know the Bible says that God works in mysterious ways, but Pastor, this really doesn't make sense. Why? If now God has him where he belongs, he's chained, he's bound in a bottomless pit, he's out of the way, there's peace on earth. Why is it necessary for him to be loosed? Well, if you look in Revelation 27, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Indeed, God is going to unchain him. He is going to let him loose for a short period of time. And this morning, let's try to find the reason why God does that. Look at the last phrase in verse number 3. When God lets him out, notice this. And after that, after he's loosed after the thousand years, and after that, he must be loosed a little season. Notice that word must. You see, Satan's release has to happen. And there are a couple of reasons for it. Pay close attention here. Because this is a subject that I've been asked many, many questions about through the years. Why would God do it? 
When he has him where he wants him, there's peace on earth. One reason is to show the world that after a thousand years of being incarcerated, nothing at all, even in a minute way, has changed about the devil. God wants to show that. He wants to demonstrate that to the world. He wants the world to know that the old, mean, cruel, murdering, evil devil is still the same devil coming out as he was when he went in. And I believe, listen carefully, if there is going to be any difference in the devil at all when he comes out of the pit, and only if that were possible, he is going to be a thousand times worse than what he was before he went in. Now, this is very important. Another reason I believe that God is going to allow the devil to be loosed for a season is to also show the world that the depravity of human nature has not changed one iota. You say, what are you talking about? You've got to keep this in mind. Don't forget this. This is critical. Not only has the devil been chained and imprisoned for a thousand years, there's been a thousand years of peace on the earth. There has not been an ounce of the devil's influence on the earth for a thousand years. No sin of any kind. Think about that. No sin of any kind. And the Lord Jesus himself is ruling and reigning from the throne of David. The entire earth for these 1,000 years have been gathering all of the time to worship him. And this is the thing that blows my mind. After a thousand years of only knowing Jesus, only knowing him to be the Messiah, only knowing him to be the only begotten Son of God, only knowing the Messiah to be the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world, there is still going to be a final rebellion towards him. Satan is going to be loosed to influence an army of people. And let this be the lesson learned this morning. Incarceration and an environment does not change people. I will tell you that the only thing that changes people is the crimson blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. Adam and Eve were in a perfect environment and plunged the entire human race into total depravity. The same thing is going to happen in the millennium. Now, here's what I want you to think about. What do you think is going to happen in the millennium? I'm going to share with you next Sunday many of those details. Life in the millennium. But think about it. During this 1,000 years, think about of all the sermons that Jesus will preach from the throne. Think about all the lessons he will teach. Think about testimonial time when the Lord Jesus allows the sainted millions to stand beside him and share a word of testimony for 1,000 years. And yet there will still be millions who have never really truly surrendered their heart to him, have not surrendered to the Lord Jesus. Because you see, listen carefully, this is very important, that millions of people will be born during the millennium. There will be children born in the tribulation who will not all be killed. 
Some of these people will be going into the millennium. Children will be born in the millennium. But here's the thing. Jesus Christ has never forced himself or his will on any of us. Never. The word of God says, for whosoever will may come. And I will tell you this. Just as you and I have an opportunity to surrender our will to Christ today and to receive him as our personal Savior, we also have the will to reject him. In the millennium for 1,000 years, the only thing people has known is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, if God cut it off there, then he would have two plans of salvation. But there's only one. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. So here's the thing. These people who have only known good in the millennium, they have only known the Messiah, they have only known Jesus, God is going to open the door to the pit. He is going to allow the devil to come out he is going to unchain him, and there is a reason for it. Look with, with me, if you will, in Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 8. And this passage of Scripture tells us that when the devil is loosed, notice what he does. In verse 8, Revelation 28, And she'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And you can read of that in Ezekiel chapter 38. Now listen carefully. When the devil is permitted by God, God goes to the door of the pit. He opens the pit. He allows Satan to rise. He unchains him for a moment. And it says, go do what you must do. The Bible says that it is the mission, the priority, the goal for the devil to go about and to deceive the nations. Because you see, at this point, they have had no deception. All they have known is the Lord. All they have known is God. So because God doesn't force his will, doesn't make anybody believe in him, doesn't make anybody to become a Christian, God is going to allow this loosening of Satan so that he might go and present the other side of the story. Jesus says, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. In the millennium, Jesus has been preaching, I am the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. In the millennium, Jesus is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. That's all the people know. But in the millennium, he will loose the devil and he will say, go do your thing. And the devil will begin to go deceive the nations and he will step back to these people born in the millennium who have only known the Lord Jesus and he will whisper the lie. He will say, that's a lie. He's an imposter. He's not who he says he is. And according to the word of God, he will deceive millions of people during this millennial time. Now, I want you to know this. He's going to do the very same thing he's always done. He's going to deceive. He's going to be a deception to the people. And here he is preparing the world for one final conflict. Look at the first part of Revelation 20 verse 9. And they went out. You see now the devil has deceived millions of people. He has convinced millions of people to follow him just like he's doing today. Just like he's done ever since the beginning of time. 
He has convinced millions, multitudes of people. Now he has a massive army together. And this is what he's saying. If we pull together, we can overtake him. That guy sitting on the throne of David, listen, if we all pull together, we can take him out. And so the devil has deceived the nations who has formed armies. Now they are moving across the Euphrates River. You can read it in Ezekiel 38. They're now circling the streets of Jerusalem for this one final conflict. Notice Revelation 29. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city. Now as these people are under the direct leadership of Satan himself, it's important to know that now all the armies of the world have now gathered. The devil is going to think that this is his greatest and finest moment. But in all actuality, God has brought these things to pass. God has positioned the devil to be right where he wants him. And as the devil gets ready to sound the charge, all of the armies, all of their artillery, all of their bombs, all of their weapons, at the spoken word, notice what happens. Look at the last part of verse number 9, Revelation 29. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Just as the devil thinks it's his finest hour, God sends fire down upon this entire region. In the devil's final attempt to overthrow God, it is here, right here, that the devil finally loses forever. God is finally finished with him. Revelation 20, verse 10, notice this. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And notice this and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Somebody say amen. amen. I want you to know, thank God there's coming a day where there will be no more devil. There's coming a day where there's no more sin, no more murders, no more murderers, no more heartache. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Woo! Hallelujah. There's coming a day. Glory to God, will there be no more devil? I believe that this is the biggest reason why the devil hates the book of the Revelation. Because it's a prophetic book that describes his finality. And I believe this ought to be one of the reasons why you and I love it so much. Friend, there's coming a day when the devil is going to be completely removed, eternally removed from our presence and our minds. Listen, there's coming a day where we will never think about him again. There's coming a day where we will never be tempted or fall in his snares again. There is coming a day where God will never, ever, ever have to pick up the broken pieces of our life and put us back on the potter's wheel again. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when I think about that, friend, let me tell you something. Life now may be hard. It may be difficult. But there's an unclouded day on the way. And I'm telling you right now, I'm so glad that I know him and the power of his resurrection. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.